Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Amen and amen. So today is our last message on our series, Count Your Blessings. And I have to touch the subject for many reasons. Again, I'm preparing you for this special moment at the end of the year in the first minutes of 2021. Is an opportunity that you have to sow a um, powerful seed. It is a seed of faith. We call it the first fruit. We love to have this moment here in Vine Church. It's special because we, we have to pray about it. We have to prepare our hearts for it. But let me first introduce what the Lord wants to speak to us. John the Baptist required about the, the Messiah. The Jesus that used to be his ordinary cousin. And now he's standing doing signs, miracles, wonders. And people come and ask him about this Jesus. And his answer is in John chapter 3 verse 27. A person cannot receive even one thing. Everybody says even one thing. Even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Now, we have to get this point. We should be absolutely conscious that everything belongs to the Lord. Let me press this point a little bit stronger here. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? So this is a simple question. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive? Why do you boast as if you are the best negotiator in the family? Why do you boast as you are the most academic uh, prepare for that position and that's why you prosper? Why do you boast as, man, don't you see, I'm the most handsome in the family. Definitely that's the reason grandpa just blessed me more and more. Like, I, I, like, why do you boast as you have not received? So the first point here is, are you totally conscious that everything, and I mean everything. Tell this to your neighbor, everything, my brother. Everything belongs to the Lord and he gives to us, He entrusts to us whatever we enjoy it is not ours. It's definitely from the Lord and I want to be His faithful steward. I want to be His faithful manager. That's why we should be faithful to God in our finances. Somebody told me that money changes people. Money does not change people. Money only reveals their reality, their real heart. It's very important to understand this. Money does not change people. Money has the potential just to reveal the reality of the hearts. Now, if we have a heart of stone, greedy, just, self, just like selfish and, and individualistic, money will reveal that. But the Bible tells us, that the Lord changed our heart. Ezekiel promised us a new heart. A heart that is changeable, moldable. That's why we should establish priorities. 
Because money does not reveal our, money only reveals our hearts. So remember this, first is God. You have to place your family a second. Definitely you should think on savings and investments. And then we think about pleasures. First Timothy chapter 6, we're going to read a long portion now from verse 6 to verse 11. Paul instructing his disciple, Timothy, he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is the best deal you can ever make. Godliness with contentment is the best bargain you can buy in Black Friday. Godliness with contentment is the best deal for your entire family. And that's why verse 7 says, For we bought nothing, we brought nothing into the world. And we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing. With this, we'll be content. Amen. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I thought, I thought that if I had money, I would be happy. But the Bible is saying that there is a better deal, which is godliness with contentment. There is a better bargain that I can get. It is godless with contentment. I thought that if I had more money, I would be happy. I would be more uh, satisfied and secure. But actually, those that desire to be rich, they plunge themselves into ruin and destruction. They put themselves in senseless and harmful things. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils divorces separation family feuds and fights the source of 99.9 percent .9 of my counseling on that matters has to do with money the love of money it's this through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many things. I thought that if I had money, I will be free from pain. I will be free from worries. But the Bible is saying that those that craves for more money just for the sake of money, they put themselves into this horrible position of hurting themselves. Verse 11. But as for you, O man of God. Come on, say this to your brother or sister. Oh, for you or sister or you, woman of God, or you, man of God. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. A dear friend called me this week, and I think it has to do with the subject that I'll treat it today. And he was straightforward to say, hey, my brother, how are you? And he says, Pastor, I am determined to be millionaire. And I said, why are like, you looking for this? And he says his reasons. And, you know, definitely I was preparing the message. And, you know, like the verse was at the tip of my tongue. So I could quote for him First Timothy. I, says, I said to him, do you know that it is 
very danger what you are looking for because you are putting your focus, your attention into being rich. And the Bible says there are many temptations around that goal. There are many traps and ambushes that you can fall into. And honestly, you are putting even your very fate at risk here. Like you have to be very careful. And he asked me, but how, how I'm going to be, you know, like delivered from these temptations? And I just read it for him. Verse 11 again, I said, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. If you pursue that and not crave for money. You see the, the comparison words here. Like there is this, you know, this um, tug, tug of war. Tug of war dispute of your heart. Right? So money doesn't need to be an enemy against your marriage and against your family. No, no, no. Just love your family and use money, not the other way around. And if you do that, you can be prosperous. You can have, but the things won't have you. And that's very important. Now, here it is. Four principles I want to press on this morning. I'm in a rush. Right after the service, I have to go to my family. Hallelujah. So let me press on here. Four principles for us in this subject. Number one, when you understand that everything was given from heaven to you, and you came into your family as a husband, as a wife, as a child. We are into this project for better and for worse, for bills and incomes. Are you projecting? Why not? So open the right file, please. It's there somewhere. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions... And power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. Everybody says, this is the gift of God. So wealth, money, things, assets, this is the gift of God. But finances should be for bad and for worse, for bills and incomes. When I say this is that... Some husbands are really, really fast to make sure that their wives are aware that they are together. They are joined into the bills. All the expenses. Honey, don't you know you are spending more than we can actually afford. And he's very sure that his wife is aware they have a joint account when he speaks on expenses. But some husbands try to hide the real incomes. They are joining few accounts, the, the spending account, not in the income accounts. So there is no such thing as my money or your money. If one of the spouses has restrictions about money, that is a sign that they have not given themselves 100% into their marriage. This lack of commitment in one moment or another will charge its price. If it is not already charging its price. Parents, 
that are not honest and open enough for their children and create them in this fake little bubble. One day, this bubble will burst and they will not be able to handle the uh, decrease of quality lifestyle. And now they get, you know, disappointed and they get themselves very, you know, lost. If you don't know how much each other earns, spends and invests, it is time to change that. We have to remember that everything from wife and husband ultimately came from heaven, was given as a gift from God. Number two, it's not my dreams, but our family goals. It's not about my dreams anymore. It is our family goals. If you want to go to one side and your family has other desires and wishes to go to another side, you will end up in separate paths. And marriage and family require self-denial. If you want to make this thing work out, you have to set together our family goals. It can be the new car. It can be the vacation trip. It can be the new house. We're going to restrict everybody here. We're going to make concessions. And I will compromise for the sake of the greater good. And I'm doing this because I'm setting the standard to my children, to my wife, to my husband. And as I do that, as I compromise and I surrender my dreams and my wishes for the sake of the greater good, our family will reach farther together. Amen. Mark chapter 3, I make this reference later uh, in other messages. Mark chapter 3, verse 24. Jesus explaining how hell works, like how is the system of authority in hell and how terrible it is and explaining why hell cannot prevail against the church. Jesus said that hell is divided within it. Hell is just like this drug dealer killing the previous drug dealer into that neighborhood in order to take the power in that place. So the demons are fighting each other all the time. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. Now, Jesus made this connection between how hell works and how some houses works because I have to say that some families because it is all about me my dreams i had planned i will do that no matter you know whatever you say you know whatever whatever costs you know i will pass through you i'm gonna run over you if i need it people and family that keeps that culture they are inviting how management is style inside of their homes should not be a surprise that their children are all revolt and backslidden. It should not be a surprise that divorce is at the door. I don't want my house 
divided. I don't want my family divided. I want to be able to stand. And that's why I'm willing to compromise my dreams, to make concessions of my personal plans. It's not about my new gadget that it is important. We need that. No, we don't need that. I want that. If you want, but it's not a need for the entire family, should I really invest my money there? Our money there. Number three, 2021 is coming up. And I know that staying home and browsing in your Amazon account made you spend more than you actually had. Some of you guys wonder, why in the world I became more poor when I just didn't go to as much restaurant as I used to go? How I became in debt more this year than never before? Oh, it's because of work. Some of you guys are actually working like crazy this year, more than you ever worked before. But I want to challenge you to make 2021 a debt-free year. Now you're going to set this as a goal, as a family project. We're going to stand into that project. And by the end of 2021, we're going to be totally 100% debt-free. I'm going to tell you, I, the beginning of my adult life, independent adult life, I thought that that was the standard. But once I experienced the feeling of being completely debt-free and I could finally start to build up my savings, increasing my giving, I said, I will never go back into that trap. I will never go back into that horrible position of owing people, owing companies, owing banks. Look what the Bible says, Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything. Can you say this to your spouse? Everybody say, oh, no one anything. Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Capital One, whatever is your credit card, oh, no one anything. All the husbands say a good amen in the house. Except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Oh, no one anything. This is, this is a standard for all of us. God wants us to be a debt-free people. We owe no one anything. And it's so free, so good. Because with that, I can build up, again, savings, investments. I can really think now on giving freely, generously, not with grudges and resentful and afraid that maybe you're going to lack me. No, I am debt-free Therefore, I can give more. I can participate more. I can bless more people. I can invest more. I can pass on a legacy to my children. Which brings us to the next practical step here. Somebody said that the word debt, D-E-B-T, is an acronym that stands for doing Everything but tithing. And I like that acronym because it, it literally is what happens when you live a in-debt lifestyle. You're going to be able to do a lot of things, but you're never going to put tithing 
and giving as a priority. So decide, commit. Everybody say commit. Commit yourself to be a debt-free family by the end of 2021. And let me say something. You have to start planning this right now. Which brings me to the second practical stand step. Commit to be 10, 10, 80 family. This is not October 10th of 1990, 1980, 1980. No, no, no. This is be a 10% tithing, 10% saving, and learn to live on 80% of all your income. Again, these require commitment. These will, you know, ask from you and your family. Remember, the number second step I told you was about not my dreams, not my plans, but our family goals. These are going to be our family project. This is a commitment that me and my wife and the kids, we're going to learn to live in the 80%. You might think, Pastor, you really don't know my reality, right? I barely have income enough to pay for my bills and my expenses, much less for giving and savings. What are you talking about? Maybe it's because with all this pandemic, you need to learn the lesson of working a little bit harder. If you are really not having enough, it's not because the Lord is not providing. Because the promise is, as the righteous man, you will never lack, says the Lord. The Lord promises that we're never going to have a need. But a man came to his doctor and said, Doctor, my wife is asking me to work extra hours. But I really can't. So the doctor made all the exams and made all, you know, inspections in his physic physical state. And the guy asked, Okay, doctor, what is wrong with me? And the doctor says, well, in plain English, you are just lazy. And the man just agree and nods, say, all right, doctor, but with the medical terms, give me to me so I can explain to my wife. Because I really don't want to work hard anymore. Let's learn to work hard, be faithful to God, and faithful to our families. But pastor, and about my savings. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I really have enough for savings, pastor. I don't think that, that that fits in my budget. Right after finishing tucking their five kids. Actually, I'm going to change the story. Right after finishing tucking their eight kids. No, six kids. Six kids. <laughs> into bed. When three-year-old... Huckleberry began to wail. Turns out that he had accidentally swallowed a penny and he thought, was sure he was going to die. So desperate to calm him, dad palmed a penny that he had in his pocket and pretended to pull it from Huckle's ear. Huckle was delighted. In a flash, he snatched it from his dad's hand and swallow it again. <laughs> and demanded, do it again, dad, do it again. 
With kids like that, you can start to save, right? Just like give it pennies and you're going to start to save. But seriously, simple commit, simple commit yourself to be in the budget. Budget, pastor. What term is that? You are aware how much you earn, so now you can control your expenses. And that's where tithing fits perfectly in this project. It has to be the first thing. The only way you're going to be able to give your 10 first percent is knowing how much you actually earn. I'm saying this as simple as it sounds for some of you guys, but a lot of the young guys in the house, they have no idea how actually they have as income. They never put it themselves into a budget. If you don't know how much you make it, you certainly don't know how much you spend. And saving and giving is a decision. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. There's a book inside of my bag. Please bring it to me. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. Nor set their hopes in the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Come on, say amen in the house. Amen. God provides richly everything we need to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus is storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. I want to be rich, but I want to be rich in what matters most. I don't want to be rich... Like Paul says that I can make myself fall into temptation. I want to be rich in what matters most. Rich in good works. Rich in generosity. Rich to be ready to share. I want to be rich in storing up treasures in heaven. I want to be rich with this good foundation for my future and for others' future. I want to be rich, but I found out that I am already rich. Are you rich? Or poor? How are you going to consider yourself? Are you rich or poor? Research proved that if you earn $33,000 a year, which is the standard uh, income in the United States, you are at the very top of 1% of wage earners in the world. Think about the 7.5, almost 8 billion people in the world, you are part of 1% of these people. If you actually got a little bit more blessed and wealthy, maybe getting your 80 to 100,000 a year, this makes you top 0.1% of wage earners in the world. No, Pastor, that's not my reality. I just started in life. I know I speak to a bunch of young guys, young girls in the house. But I know I'm speaking to you as well. But look what I, I, I found um, recently reading this book. 2.8 people, 2.8 billion people live on less than $2 per day. 1.3 billion live in less than $1 per day. 1.3 billion have no access to clean water. 
2.3 billion have no sanitation facilities. 709 million go to bed hungry every night. 1.5 billion have no access to health care. 1.6 billion have never heard the gospel. I learned that I am very rich. And I would love you to say this to your spouse. Can you say this to your spouse? I am rich. Yeah, you can say this to your children as well. I know they'll love to hear from you. Because my boys, when I say to them that I am rich, they got really excited. And I always complete the phrase, we are rich in what matters most. Which includes my money. I definitely have more than I need. I am one of these folks that Paul wrote in Ephesus, writing his letter to Timothy. Again, put it again, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. As for the rich, raise your hand. Everybody, raise your hand. This is for you and for me. You are rich in this present age. We have more than we need. Therefore, I am rich. I have more than I need. Therefore, I am rich. Malachi chapter 3. Will men rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you, God? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I would not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations... We'll call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Say a good amen, everybody. Amen. So again, we should not allow money to cause stress in our marriage, in our family. We should open up the subject, disarm ourselves and talk about it without the blaming game. Talk about it, pray about it, set priorities, establish goals. When the family stands together to resolve the financial problems, God, we're going to give you wisdom to resolve. So the financial solution starts with faithfulness to God, loyalty to our family, and hard work and commitment to save. Now, again, in this tug of war inside of our hearts, we have to remember that this subject definitely brings a lot of controversy. And I agree because Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, Jesus compared the subject of money as much as worship, as much as devotion. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve 
God and money. Notice that you cannot serve God and power. It's not what is the, the Bible says. It's not like serve God and politics, influence. No, what the only thing that Jesus put in the same stand of dispute of our heart is money. And the world wants us to serve money. Why? Because money promises what only God can provide. Money promises happiness and security. But we all know that money does not bring ultimate happiness and ultimate security. You know that. Somebody going to say, just give me a little, Pastor. Maybe I can prove it wrong. No, it is already proved. Money promises what only God can provide. God has blessed me with more than I need. I know I am rich. However, I will not trust in riches, but I will trust in Him who richly provides me. I will set my heart in the things of heaven because it is from heaven that I receive everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10. He who loves money, pretty much the same statement of the apostle of grace, will not be satisfied. Everybody repeat after me. Say, he who loves money, who loves money will, not be satisfied. will not be satisfied. Who is writing this? One of the wealth, wealth, wealthiest men in history, extremely intelligent and wise. He wrote it very clear that who loves money will never be satisfied with money. Nor he who loves wealth with his income, this also is Havel, vanity. The word in Hebrew is Havel, is that mist that you finally thought you had reached, but now you learn that the, the reach line just move a little further. You know, like it, when I get 40,000 a year, Pastor, I will be rich. I know I'll be in the line of to be rich. And you are there. $40,000 a year, and you look for the, the line of being rich. And it says, I wonder if I make 60000 that finally I'll be rich. But the line was here in the 40000 Because you're just chasing after the wind. Havel, vanity is vain. Because the line of riches just move and move and never satisfies. How does the fear of not having enough affect your ability and willingness to give? So tithing is that principle that God still expecting us to stand because it teaches us to put God first. That was the whole idea when God brought the people in the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 23 says, Before the Lord your God, in the place that He... He will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat. Okay. The place that he will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine and your oil in the firstborn of your herd and flock. That you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The idea of tithing is keep us in that position of 
dependency. All right, Pastor, what is the deal here? I'll be very practical with you. I have two intentions this morning. Number one is to bring you to this position of testing the Lord. I always say this. In the three temptations of Jesus during his 40 days fasting, the, the devil didn't test Jesus into money. He tested Jesus in power, tested Jesus in fame, tested Jesus in his physiological needs, but never tested Jesus into money itself. Why? Because that's the only area that he could actually test the Lord. Who said that? The Lord says, test me on that. Like, you have to make this experience. It's really hard, and I know it's hard because I was in your shoes. I was not believing until I tested it and I saw how God opened up the windows of heaven upon my life and blessed me and prospered me. It has nothing to do with me. Even one thing I have, I had received from heaven, and I know that. I give glory to God, and I look, I study, I read it about it, I talk about it, I look for help around me. By the way, open up parenthesis. If you feel a burden and if you that that a gift from God into managing finances, please, please, please talk to me. Our church needs your help. Because until now, God had helped me to manage our church in my personal life where we are. But I feel that the Lord is leading us to the next step, to the next level. Say a good amen in the house. And I need help for this next step. I need help for where the Lord is leading us as a church, financially speaking. So if you feel the burden, come and talk with me. So I studied about it. I look for resources so I can, you know, increase my wisdom in order to have more so I can give more. I understand that I have it is from the Lord. I know I am blessed with more than I need. Therefore, I am rich. However, I will not trust the riches, but I will trust Him who richly provides. But what is the, what is the catch here, Pastor? What, what, what is the point here? The point is that I want to lead you to give more. Because you have more, you will be able to give more. Everybody repeat after me. God has blessed me, God has blessed me. With, more than I need. with more than I need. Say to your family, say, we are rich. We are rich. Say, however, however, we will not trust in our riches, trust in our riches but, in him who but in Him who richly provides. Because we have more, we, have more, we, will, give more. we will give more. And I don't want you to give out of pressure or emotional um, persuasion. I'm here to teach you the way of prosperity in new doors. All right, it's not me. Let's go to the apostle. It's better because my words have no power. But the Bible has 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this. Isn't that a good way to open up a, a verse? That's an awesome to way to open up the verse, right? You don't even eat like there's no... Preaching points. Paul brought it the point. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one. Everybody says each one. This includes you then. Right? It's not only your husband. It's not only your wife. It's not about your parents. Each one. Everybody says each one. 
I love to say this because I love my kids will be here. So the parents just say this to your, your kids. Say, each one. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly. Again, it's not out of pressure. And that's why I'm preaching this way before our first fruit offering time. Actually, in December, we won't touch the subject. And I'm giving you this material so you can ruminate. You can chew the cud. You can really think about it. You can really strategically and intentionally place your heart into, okay, God, what do you want me to give? Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's how I want to be. Whenever I give, I want to give cheerfully, enjoying the moment, giving with joy. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. Now, this is very weird and odd. Because I had learned in my theology that grace has nothing to do with my endeavors, with my investments. But Paul intentionally connects what is freely given to us, his grace and favor, his unmerited grace, with my sowing attitude which leads me to conclude and maybe i'm wrong but i i had tested that this that as i have a more freeing and giving attitude i open up more space for grace to reach out to me now let me repeat that again grace is free of charge grace has nothing to do with your tithes and offerings it's free However, if I have a larger basket, I can get in more. Are you guys getting Halloween picture here, please? Right? You can get candies in all neighborhoods around, my friend. But if you have just a small plastic cup, that's how much you're going to get. But if I come with my basket and my bags and my parents carrying their own baskets, we're going to get a lot of candies for the rest of the year and the year to come. Maybe October 31st, again, I'll think on candies. Now, with this image in your, in your mind, I know that grace is free. I can get it. I can go from cup to cup and get my grace portion daily. But it seems that my giving attitude gives me a greater basket. It's all free. But suddenly, I have this space to see the grace of God abounding to me. Anybody got it, what I'm saying here? So that having all sufficiencies in all things, in all times, you may abound in every good work. Put the phrase again. God has blessed us with more than we need. We are rich. However, we will not trust in our riches, but in Him who richly provides. Because we have more, we will give more. Let's all stand up.